Hello and welcome to Pod Save the King, the podcast which aims to guide Britain into the 21st century through the use of discussion and debate. I'm Connor Stanislavskis and beside me is Alison Bally, great auntie, co-host and fellow historian. This episode will be exploring our history theme, discussing, discussing the history of Anglo-Scottish relations as well as the recent history of Scottish devolution. Remember, you can listen to us on a walk, before a talk, in the park or in the dark on your preferred podcast app or website. So... Anglo-Scottish relations. Well, what a potted history that is. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and what we were trying to do in this section, I think, is to try and look back to see where possibly independence. What? Why just? Why is it? Is it inherently Scottish to be want to be wanting to be independent? Um, and that is quite recent history in some respects. But what? I wanted to do is actually look back to the beginning. So um, the history books tell us that there were hunter-gatherers in the area known as Scotland during the Stone Age, um, which is 10,000 BC. You fast forward to 125 AD and with the arrival of the Roman Empire, and of course they did invade England, Wales... They weren't as successful uh, uh, as in conquering Scotland. They they were they did build Adrian's Wall, which is still visible, and they also built the Antonine Wall across central Scotland. But even though they did reach the borders of Scotland, the the Romans, even though there was this vast empire that ruled most of the world, never actually truly conquered Scotland. So does that tell us something about the Scottish spirit? Do you yeah, think? and do you think that's that that's still visible today? Really, you know the the idea of what it is to be Scottish. You know this shared national identity, which. If we're being honest, us as English people can't really say that we have. You know, we have we have a known identity of what it is to be British and you know yes. the island of Great Britain, but England itself, I think, is fairly regionalised compared to you know the kind of unified Scotland. Yes, which I think is why it can be seen like, as you say, when the Romans invaded, why they had so much struggle to invade Scotland because they were so unified. The Romans weren't successful, but um, after the Romans had left, because they actually did give up and said, we can't, we just can't conquer these people. But fast forward a bit further to 800 AD, and the Vikings arrived from Den- Denmark and Norway. Yeah. Now, they approached from a different yeah, location completely, didn't they? They came at the top of Scotland rather than up through England, and they did settle in the West. Yeah, yeah. But again, they weren't completely successful because um, they did settle in the West, but the remain, if we can call them Scottish for the for the purpose of this podcast, is that the remaining Scottish people that hadn't been invaded by the Vikings did set up a separate kingdom of right. Alba. So that was in eighteen. Sorry, that was in eight hundred AD, and in in ten forty AD, 
Macbeth actually ruled that kingdom. Right, okay. Yeah. From 1040 to 1057. That's Macbeth from the Shakespeare play. Well, it, it, it's actually, it was characterised in the Shakespearean play, yeah. but Macbeth was a true person yeah. and, and, and ruled that kingdom. So again, we see this pattern, don't we, that it, it's able, this small amount of people in a relatively small part of the UK is able to repel invaders. Absolutely, yeah. And I wonder if it's because of that, um, because of that history, going right back, um, that inherently they wanted this independence and actually in 1297... Um, following the English monarch's death, Alexander III, Edward I's army was stopped from advancing at Stirling Bridge. Right, OK. Um, in 1320, all the Scottish barons and the nobles sent a letter to the Pope, the then Pope, declaring that Scotland was an independent state. Oh, right, OK. So back to 1320... We've got that almost formal stamp, that formal, first probably formal declaration to the Catholic Pope yeah. that Scotland was independent. And I think the fact that it is to the Pope, it exactly. symbolises that. Because Catholicism and Christianity exactly. was as was powerful in medieval society. Very, very powerful. Because as we know, Henry VIII had a terrible trouble with the Pope. Absolutely. And, trying to, and that's yeah. how... Our faith changed. Um, so, you yeah. know, the act of union between Scotland and England, at what point did Anglo-Scottish relations really start yeah. to pick up, would you say? Yeah, I think I think that signified um, in 1707 um, with the act of union, which actually created a single parliament for the UK. Right. So I think that's probably... The birth of the Union. Yeah. But again, in 1746 at the Battle of Culloden, Barney Prince Charlie, as he was known, Charles Edward Stuart, wanted to reinstate the Stuart monarchy in Scotland and in England. But that was the last time the Jacobites tried to have this uprising. And it was also linked to religion as well because the Jacobites were mostly Catholics. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was probably the last time that there was actual fighting, a conflict against Scotland and England. Yeah. And I think the, the the fact that Bonnie Prince Charlie was unsuccessful at the Battle of Culloden, then there was a real backlash from the English Parliament right. where they introduced these Highland clearances where they were trying to clear the clans off the land. They banned Tartan. They took away the jurisdiction rights from the clan chiefs. So that was a really harsh um, response, I would say. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But moving on, you know, Scotland was influenced by the start of the Industrial Revolution. It moved, as England did, from a rural to an urban society, they were instrumental in the war effort during the First World War through the Clyde um, in Glasgow, the shipyards, the steel and ironworks, all aided the war effort. Oh, yeah. And so when, you know, after the Act of Union, going back a little bit now, yeah. um, 
so the Scottish, I believe, and the English uh, colonies, because they did have smaller empires before, you know, the British Empire is what I'm aware of anyway, they combined together, didn't they? And that's where the the, the beginning of kind of this Union Jack that we know was mm. formed, right? Yeah. Um, which obviously later we know developed with Northern Ireland's incorporation. But I think it's so interesting that even as you say, throughout history, before, you know, the Romans conquered England, should I say, I was about to say Britain then, before before the Romans conquered England and Wales, how far back, you know, this Scottish national identity derives itself from. Yeah. Um, obviously, he said, like, you know, the Danes, when they invaded, they, they did manage to conquer parts of Scotland. Yeah. But even so, so... It, it doesn't change this identity. They're still united under a banner. And also, Scotland, geographically, is, is quite small. Mm. So it's not like it had to conquer the whole of England. It was a relatively smallish area in comparison. Yeah, yeah. And they still didn't manage to and do it. And especially compared to, you know, they had, uh, the Romans had territory in Italy, in Germany, in modern France. Vast amounts of territory. Yeah. And the fact that Egypt, you know, I mean, it, it, they virtually at that time, I would say, ruled the world. Oh, absolutely, the known world, yeah. especially. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so moving on to slightly more recent history, yeah. you know, um, late nineties, would you say, with kind of devolution? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, sorry, go on. No, I'm sorry. I oh, no. apologise, but I, I suppose. What was interesting to me is that I hadn't realised that, you know, we've, we were always reliant on um, oil and gas from other places. Yeah. But in 1967, which I thought was further back than I first originally thought, is when they discovered the North Sea oil. Right, OK. So that's quite a long time ago. That's quite a lot of history related to that, isn't it? Yeah, it certainly is, yeah. But as you say, Connor, it was 1999, um, Tony Blair promised in the Labour manifesto that um, that there could be the establishment of the Scottish Parliament and the building which you visited opened in 2004. Yeah, and I mean, the building, if you've ever been anyone that's listening, I mean, it is a, a lovely building. Very modern compared yeah. to, you know, Westminster, and but, yeah. but a lovely building nevertheless. Um, and so, yeah, as you said, 1997, New Labour, New Britain, Tony Blair in his manifesto promised devolution, not just to Scotland, but obviously we know Wales, and then later on, Northern Ireland got their assembly. And I think it, that's some, even though it's fairly recent, See, for me, that was before I was I was even thought of, you know, 1997, I was born in 2006. And so, throughout my life, there has been a Scottish Parliament, mm. or, or at least a, a Scottish kind of uh, elected body. But how was that for you? Like, kind of, because it was introduced within your lifetime. So how was that for you? Um, I suppose... Um... Prior to the even thought of devolution, I always considered Scotland to be part of the UK. Yeah. And I can't really understand why they want to be a part of us because I want them to be part of us. I yeah, want I us it. all to be united, but that's just my personal opinion. And I suppose it is an, an English perspective, isn't it? You of know, course. We're not, we're not Scottish yeah. people. And for most of my life, there hasn't been 
the Scottish National Party or this cry for Scottish independence. But like you say, quite rightly, you, you point out that I'm seeing this from a, an English perspective. And I, I, I was against Brexit, so I suppose my ethos in life is that the more together we are, the better we are, the stronger yeah, we and are. I, and I think that, but that's again, right. it's a personal opinion. Yeah. Um, so it was in uh, 2012, the Edinburgh Agreement signed by Alex Salmond and the then Prime Minister David Cameron led to the referendum in 2014. So 2014, we've gone right back in history, haven't we? Yeah. Hundreds and hundreds of years. We can see that thread of defiance against yeah. invaders. So wouldn't you think with all that history, the P- Scottish people say... We're out. Yeah, We're absolutely. on our own. Uh, but it it was fairly close, but still decisive, that 45% of the population said, yes, we want to go on our own, and 55% said no. Yeah, and it was around that time as well. Again, fairly recent history. For some people, it, it probably, you won't consider it as history, but, you know, it was in the past, but... You know, that saw an end, I think. It signalled the end to Labour's dominance in, in, in Scotland, didn't it? Yeah. Because obviously, pre-Indy Ref, uh, Scotland, obviously pre-SNP, Scotland was a Labour stronghold. You know, Labour could rely on Scotland, you know, day in, day out. Whenever there was a general election, local election, Scotland would be Labour, right? Yeah. And um, last week I had the pleasure of meeting um, a local Labour Party councillor um, for Middleton, and he, we actually had a, a small conversation about, you know, Scotland being a Labour stronghold. And he said that, in his opinion, it was actually the ignorance of Labour politicians at that time forgetting Scotland, kind of, it was this kind of wave of idleness of... Complacency. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, we so, can always rely on them. Absolutely. And then, without, like, even realising, the SNP snuck in, it was, bam, you know, Scotland is SNP. And that's seen through even recent general elections yeah. with like was fifty odd of the Scottish Scottish seats in Parliament going to the SNP. Um, so yeah, it is interesting, and as well, it's like as I said, Scotland always has been Labour. Yeah. And when the SNP came in, I think they were underestimated, um, and so the Conservatives, obviously at the time, who was in power, were obviously against India Ref. They were against Scotland leaving the Union, as they still are. And at the time, Labour also was against Scotland leaving the Union, as they still are. But to Scottish people, what I was told is it signalled that Labour, for the one of the first times, was aligned with the Conservatives. And the SNP used that to their advantage to say, well, look at them two. They claim to be different, but That's they're all... Same. Exactly. Do you think the Scottish people felt ignored by Westminster, that they were like the poor relation? Do you know what? I think... I think By what, both Conservatives yeah, yeah, and Labour. Yeah. I think, what, like I said, complacency within Labour at the time, that was a factor for mm. Labour losing seats in Scotland. And as well, Conservatives, similar to be mm. fair, um, do I think it's... What we've got to remember is the last Labour Prime Minister was a Scottish man. What, what I think what's forgotten is the UK isn't this kind of 
dictatorship that's forced in Scotland in this unequal union, there has been many Scottish Prime Ministers of the United Kingdom. And I think in some cases that's forgotten and it seemed as, you know, Scotland is solely governed by England and it, mm. it, it's like a, a tyranny of English rulers. Yeah. But it's not not really if it's dissected. Um, so it's an but interesting I wonder, I wonder if that's part of the Scottish consciousness that going back in history and having that feeling that we are the poor relation and it doesn't really matter who's in power. They're, they're so far away down in Westminster that they don't care about us. I mean, I, su- I suppose, I suppose it, you know, it is a reasonable kind of feeling yeah. to have. And I'm sure it is felt by many Scots across Scotland and even Scots living in, in other areas of the UK. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is interesting. Do you think that the result of the... 2014 referendum was the start of the decline in SNP uh, power I think, influence. Well, I think it was the start of SNP power and influence. Right. Um, so obviously, at the time, you know, in, they did lose the independence referendum, the SNP. Um, but then they just pushed for further devolution powers because after 2014, Scotland got max devolution powers from Westminster because a large swathe of the population was. And as well, what, what makes it even more interesting is the independence referendums in 2014, the Brexit referendum was just under two years later. Mm. And so it, there is an argument to be made that Scottish opinion has changed. You know, Scottish opinion seen to be changed through events such as Brexit, such as the cost of living which we're going through now, yeah. uh, you know. Um, Am I right in thinking that Scotland didn't want to be to, to come out of Brexit? Yeah, so Scotland, the majority so, of Scots, was remain yeah. completely, and that's yeah. the SNP's main Which goal. is really in line with the 2014 result, yeah, isn't absolutely. it? absolutely. That so, we're sticking together, yeah. not only with the UK, but we want to stick in with the European Union. We're stronger, Union. united, and I share that view also. Um, <coughs> also, what I am curious, if there is any Scottish people listening, which I'm sure there is, um, if you would send us your opinion, because we're actually quite interested. Absolutely. If you Obviously... As we say all the time, if you disagree with anything we say, yeah. we, we, we want you to challenge us, yeah. you know. It's just our personal opinion, we're just yeah. having a discussion. But what we're curious about is, is it is it true? Is it true that Scottish people do have this kind of united front, united mm. is stronger? So, I mean, we are curious. So email us, please, at podsaythekings22 at gmail.com, if, if you have time, obviously. Yeah. Is there anything you want to add? Yeah, so... When I said to you, does 2014, the results of the referendum, signal the end of SM power and influence? And you said, no, you thought it was the beginning. Yeah. So if we, if we fast forward, would you still say that's true today? I think the SNP is a very powerful party in Scotland. I'm not sure of the exact number. I think it could be around, it's 50-something seats in yeah. Scotland. And the SNP got around 54, I think it is, right. in Westminster. So they have got the, the majority of Scottish seats and that signals that they've got the majority of Scottish support. And the SNP stands for independence, doesn't it? They do. And Nicola Sturgeon has also pledged that the next general election, they will be standing on a one... What's the word I'm looking for? Like a one kind of... 
One policy. One policy, and that's Scottish independence. And the idea is, if they win that, if they win the majority of seats in Scotland, then they will use that as a mandate to to go for Scottish independence. To me, I know what this what what well what the SNP stand for, but surely there's more to Scotland, a lot more than just whether they're part of the UK or not. Oh, absolutely. So I was reading that despite the Court of Session ruling that the Scottish Government could not arrange its own independent vote, Nicola Sturgeon, as you've just referenced, announced that the next general election will be a de facto referendum. So it seems that David Cameron said it was once in a generation referendum. Don't you think it's time to let that go and to focus on different aspects of Scottish society and economy rather than what it appears to me is that she's on, Nicola Sturgeon in particular, is on a crusade. And despite what all the people and all the voters say, she's just absolutely determined to get Scottish independence. It is very true. And, you know, regardless of you know, whether we agree with Nicola Sturgeon's policy. I think what's got to be remembered is she is a very strong politician. Absolutely. You know, with many fabulous qualities. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Now, as you said, David Cameron did say it was a once in a generational thing, you know, Indy Ref. And in the same way that, obviously, I was too young to vote in the Brexit referendum, but I would have wished to remain in the European Union. But now, following that, now we've already left, you know, now we've already, you know, everything's yeah. in place. I don't believe in a second Brexit referendum. I absolutely agree with you. I think, you know, the people made their choice, regardless of whether I agree with it. The majority voted in favour. Absolutely agree. And so we don't have another no. referendum in our lifetime. No. And the thing is, it, it's the amount of work and, and cost it does. It, it is needed to deliver a, a referendum. And in true democracy, if you don't agree with the results, you can't keep having a referendum until you get the result that you want. Yeah, exactly. I was a Remainer, but I, I respect the decision of the majority to leave the EU. And it's uneconomic to even contemplate what it would take to rejoin the EU. We've left and we stay out. I think the Scottish people have said we're staying with the UK and that should be the end of the matter. Absolutely, I agree, yeah. But actually we were both saying earlier that maybe in the future the SNP will not be led by Nicola Sturgeon who's had some bad publicity yeah. recently. So, although this is our history podcast, you know, we will be we will, you know, reference kind of what's happening at the current time and how that links. So Today, many newspapers... Have you got the newspapers, though? Uh, yeah, it's the Times. I think they said the Mirror. There's quite a number. Of popular newspapers yeah. in the UK. So, and this is today. Today's date is the 12th of February, 2023. 40% of Scottish people are calling for Nicola Sturgeon to step down right now. Yeah. Immediate, with immediate force. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's, that's a big number. It's a very big number. You could say that she's had a slip in 
popularity due to the decisions she made regarding the transgender prisoner, but we don't really favour our leaders based on a single policy. It's it's based on a whole myriad of things, surely. Absolutely. Your popularity can drop because of you know single decisions, but I think the fact that it's four in ten is... It, it signals to me there's something more going on. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. But uh, it's also it's something we see with leaders, isn't it? Like, she has been in power since 2014. Yeah. Um, and it, same could be said for Tony Blur. He was in power for, was it 13 years? A long time. And his popularity soon towards the end stopped. Um, and I think it, it's the same for Nicola Sturgeon now. She has been in power for nearly coming up to 10 years. years. It's a long time. Yeah. And... I give it, you know, I give it to her. She has been a noble leader and strong leader throughout that time who's, yeah. you know, championed Scottish views. Yeah. And, you know, I take my hat off to her for that. But at some point, political careers go downhill. And yeah. I think this could be her moment. Do you think that every political career has a shelf life? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I don't think anyone... Because a, a, a political career depends on popularity, depends on how you look. And it was like, for example, when Cameron came in and he was, yeah. you know, arguing against Blur and PMQs, he was seen as kind of the new kid on the block, yeah. fresh-faced. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And I think that's what people like. They like new people. Yeah. And you can't be new in politics forever. No. So I do, ag- I do agree. Yeah, and I, I do believe that political careers have a shelf life. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. That was a really good discussion. Yeah. Um, so on that, on that note, um, I think it's right that we end the podcast here. Um, so thank you for listening as we said previously please do you know we want you to message us email us especially from a Scottish perspective we'd, we'd love to have that um, so and also next Sunday uh, so a week today from when this podcast goes out um, the um, podcast starring Paul Walsh Scottish author and entrepreneur will be on will be available on your favourite podcast apps and websites So uh, thank you for listening to Pod Save the King. That's a goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. Thank you.